One of the things I love about McDermott Road is that this congregation is made up of families, hundreds of families of all shapes and sizes. Families that have married couples, families that have children, families that don't have children, grandparents, parents, aunts, uncles, cousins, neighbors, single people, married people. This congregation is made up of all kinds of families. And I know that no matter what your particular role is, In your particular family, you want what's best for your family, don't you? We all do. We all want what's best for our family. This church family wants what's best for your family. And here's the thing, and I think this is something that we all know, that the best thing for our family, the thing that can bless our family more than any other action is to focus on Jesus, that when we center our lives individually, personally, and when we center our family life, no matter how many people are in our family, when we center our family on Jesus, it makes everything new. That's what the book of John is all about, about how Jesus has come into the world, and that's what we've been talking about in this series, how Jesus, the creator, has come into the world, and he's causing people to be reborn, born again, to become little pieces of new creation, and that when you center your life on Jesus, when you believe in him, you're born again by the water and the spirit, your home becomes a place of new creation. We talked about two weeks ago how Jesus says, I am the bread of life, how he encourages people to pursue and work for the bread that, remember, endures as opposed to the bread that perishes. And we ask ourselves, is Jesus our family bread? Is is he the, the bread that we hunger for? Is Jesus what we're hungry for? Is he what we're working towards? Is he what sustains us from day to day? And then last week we talked about Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, not I point to the light, or I'll show you the light, or I'll reveal to you the light, but I am the light of the world. And so we ask ourselves, is Jesus our family's light? Is he what guides us? Is he our moral standard? Is he our moral compass? And particularly, the cross of Jesus, the self-giving love and faithfulness of Jesus, is the cross the sum of our ethical, moral standard, how we know what's right and good and the way that we should live by watching and looking at and focusing on, centering our life on the love of Jesus. And, and, and I, what I, one thing I love about the Gospel of John that Steve pointed out in his communion focus a minute ago was the, is the contrast throughout the book. Light and darkness, death, life, Bread that endures versus bread that perishes. And this morning we're going to talk about shepherd. And Jesus saying, as Steve said, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And what's the opposite of a good shepherd? A, what? What? What is it? A bad, a bad shepherd, right? A good shepherd versus a bad shepherd. And that's exactly what Israel had was a lot of bad shepherds. But before we really get into the text, I want to ask you to think about your family's shepherds. Who's shepherding your family? 
It's really easy because we're in church to just say Jesus, right? Jesus shepherds my family. And I hope that that's true for all of us. I hope that every one of our families are shepherded by Jesus. But if, if we're real honest, might it be that our family has other shepherds? Shepherds that aren't so good. Shepherds that don't really have our best interests at heart. So just stop and think about it. And, and just really, because if we don't challenge ourselves to ask ourselves, what's really my family's bread? What's really my family's guiding light? What's really my family's shepherd? If we never just stop and think about those questions, then we'll just go on living our life just totally oblivious to the fact that there are influences and guides in our life, voices that we're listening to that are influencing us, and we may not even stop to realize that that's happening. Could it be that there are politicians or even political parties, or political commentators who are your family's shepherds? How much are politicians, or political parties, or political commentators guiding and influencing and affecting the way your family thinks about things? Is it possible that there are politicians who are participating in being your family's shepherds? What about celebrities? Is it possible that there are some celebrities that are your family shepherds? And you say, well, that's just ridiculous, right? But why do, why do advertisers do that, right? I mean, why is it that somebody wants to sell something? They know that if they can get a celebrity to endorse it, you'll buy it. Why? Because they know what sometimes we refuse to admit, that sometimes these celebrities, even though they're movie stars or they're singers or they're athletes, They influence the way that we think. They influence what we buy. They influence how we dress. They influence what we eat. They influence what we value. So is it possible that there are movie stars or directors or maybe YouTube stars or maybe maybe athletes or or maybe even religious celebrities that are really your family's shepherds? Just stop and think about it and say, how much do the things that I watch on movies and television show, things that I hear in the music that I listen to, the fact that I spend so many hours watching a a sports game, whatever that game may be, the fact that I watch this guy on YouTube all the time, this fact that I, I watch this or listen to this or read that, how much is that influencing me, directing me, guiding me? How much is that person shepherding me? And if you're a parent, or if you're a spouse, or or if you're a a big brother, or a big sister, or you're a grandparent, or you're an aunt, or an uncle, if those people are shepherding you, then chances are, vicariously, they're shepherding the people that you influence, and guide, and teach, and lead. So could it be that there are politicians, or celebrities, or how about just popular culture in and of itself, just just trends and fads, and you think that's young people. Young people are influenced by fads. Yeah, right. We all are, aren't we? The houses that we buy, the cars that we drive, the clothes that we wear, the things that we listen to, what we think is cool or what we think is not cool, what we think is right, what we think is wrong. How often are we guided by and shepherded by and influenced by companies, brands, politicians, whatever it may be, stop and ask yourself, and then ask yourself, do they really have your best interests at heart? Are they good shepherds? 
Do they have your best interests at heart? Do those politicians that are shepherding you, do they have your best interests at heart or their own? Or the celebrities that are shepherding you, do they have your best interests at heart or their own? Or even the brands and the companies that are shepherding you and helping you decide what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat and what house you're going to buy and what car you're going to drive, do they have your best interests at heart or their own bottom line at heart? Is that their interest? You see, things really haven't changed over the centuries, right? In every culture, every culture, every community, every family has shepherds. And it's so incredibly important to just stop and reflect and think about and meditate on this question. Who is shepherding my family? Who is shepherding me? And as Steve pointed out a minute ago, when Jesus, this story in John chapter 10, but right before that is the story of Jesus healing the man who's born blind. And if you're not familiar with that story, Jesus comes on this man, and there's this whole sort of theological conversation about why he was born blind. Jesus puts some mud on his eyes and tells him to go wash in the pool, and he goes and he washed, and then he's, he's healed. And all he knows is this guy named Jesus healed me. And so he just tells me, he's like, yes, listen, I used to be a beggar, and I w- I've been blind since the day I was born. I've never seen anything, and now I can see, and people start talking about it. And before you know it, the Pharisees have a bunch of questions because he healed them on the Sabbath. And so they bring him in to sort of stay in trial. And these, these are the shepherds. These are the shepherds of God's people. Bring this man who's just been healed in to question him. Say, what's this? Who, who healed you? Oh, I don't know. This guy named Jesus. Tell us about this guy. He healed you on the Sabbath. He can't be a man of God. And so they, they have this back and forth. And they don't even believe that he really was blind. They're like, this is a lie. It's a sham. This guy's trying to pull one over on us. We don't believe you. So they said, well, we'll call in the guy's parents. If he was born blind, if he's blind from the day he was born, his parents would know. So they bring his parents in, and they question them. And, but they're terrified. Why? Because the Pharisees had already let people know that if you, if you believe in this Jesus character, and if you follow him, you'll be kicked out of the synagogue. John chapter 9 and verse 22 says, because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. This is Jerusalem's set of shepherds. These are the shepherds of God's people. If anybody confesses Jesus to be the Christ, you're out. And when you got kicked out of the synagogue, you were out. I mean, you were out of the family. You were out of the, the commerce. You were out of everything. You can't buy and trade. You can't, you can't sell. You have nothing and nobody, and you're cut off. And they were terrified that was going to happen. They're like, hey, listen, you got to take it up with my son. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you nothing. You know, they were terrified because they didn't want the shepherds to kick them out of the family. And then finally, they bring the son back in. And he says, listen, you, you know, this is silly. This is ridiculous. And they don't like his response. And so what do they do? Cast him out. And Jesus finds him. And Jesus begins to be his shepherd. But if we're going to understand this sort of back and forth and this idea of good shepherds and bad shepherds, I think we need an Old Testament text, excuse me, Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 1. And I think this is sort of the root of how we understand not only the bad shepherds that were shepherding Israel, but maybe even, maybe even some of our culture's shepherds. Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me, 
Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Of course, this is hundreds of years before Jesus. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord, ah, the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should you not shepherd, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. See, that's, that's a bad shepherd. A bad shepherd feeds himself rather than feeding the sheep. A bad shepherd looks out for his own interests and not the interests of the sheep. A bad shepherd is selfish versus the good shepherd who is selfless. Verse 5, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. They went into exile and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with no one to search or seek for them. Now skip down to verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself, I will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines. And in all the inhabited places of the country, I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture, they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. And I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. So God rebukes the shepherds of Israel hundreds of years before Jesus, but again, his people continue to be shepherded by those who are selfish and who feed themselves on the sheep, take care of themselves and neglect the sheep refuse to help the injured and bring back those that are straying. And God says, I'm going to come. I'm going to be my people's shepherd. I'm going to gather them from all the nations. I'm going to shepherd my sheep. I'm going to feed them. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to bring back the wanderers. And Jesus is obviously fulfilling this, isn't he? This is what the lost sheep, the broken sheep, the hungry sheep, the herding sheep have been waiting for. It's for God himself to come. And to be their shepherd. So look at verse John, or John chapter 10 and verse 1. John 10, 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. 
So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now, I think there's a couple different metaphors, and Jesus is kind of, it's like a diamond, you know, just kind of looking at it from several different uh, vantage points, different perspectives. I mean, Jesus is saying he's the shepherd, right? He's the shepherd that doesn't try to climb over the wall. It might help if we sort of picture the way a sheepfold was in ancient Israel, but they would have, picture sort of a, a circle of rocks, you know, stones, maybe this high or so, so the sheep can't get out. So they've got this fenced-in area with high rock wall. And then to complete the circle, there's sort of a, an opening, a gateway, just a, a hole. And the shepherd himself would sit there in that doorway. He'd sleep there at night so that he could keep bad things from getting in and good things from getting out. So you keep the sheep in and keep the, the wolves out. And he would sit there and he would be the gatekeeper and the door. It's exactly what Jesus is saying, isn't it? I'm, I'm the door. I'm the shepherd. Other people try to jump over the wall and come about this in all kinds of ways. Why? Because they're thieves and robbers. People don't listen to thieves and robbers. They're not following them. The lost sheep of Israel aren't following these other would-be messiahs or even the Pharisees or the Sadducees. Why is it? Why is it that this man that was born blind and was healed... And now all of a sudden he's following Jesus. Why, why wouldn't he just listen to the Pharisees and say, yeah, that Jesus guy, he must be a sinner. He healed me on the Sabbath. You guys should go after him and try to kill him. Why is it that he wouldn't do that? Why is it that he listened to Jesus? Why is it that he followed Jesus? Why was it that the multitudes were coming to Jesus and listening to him? Why is it that they heard his voice and they said this, we want this one to be our shepherd? He is the shepherd of Israel. He's the Christ. Kick me out of the synagogue if you want to. Do whatever you want to to me, but I'm going to follow Jesus. Why is it that people were listening to him? Because I'm the one that if they enter by me, they will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Isn't that exactly what the Lord said in Ezekiel chapter 34 that he was going to do for his sheep? I will seek out my sheep and rescue them from all the places they've been scattered. I will, they will graze in the land and on rich pasture. They will feed on the mountains of Israel. I'm going to take care of the ones that listen to me. My sheep listen to me. They don't listen to the thieves and the robbers that are really just pursuing their own interests and that are trying to poach my sheep. They don't listen to them. They listen to me. Now, obviously, this entire dialogue is directed at the Pharisees who are being these kinds of thieves and robbers and who want the sheep to listen to them. But wow, there's so much application for us, isn't there? Whose voice are you listening to? I mean, we, we listen to a lot of talk radio and we watch a lot of news and we watch a lot of movies and TV shows and sporting events. We read a lot of books. Whose voice are you listening to? They don't, the sheep of Jesus don't listen to other shepherds, those that are seeking their own interests, who, who want to take advantage of them and fleece the flock. 
They listen to Jesus. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. They'll come in and go out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. Why? On what basis? Again, everything comes back to the cross. Everything comes back to the cross. On what basis does Jesus say, I am the good shepherd? Why? Because the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. That's something that doesn't, you know, he's not necessarily a bad guy, but you hire somebody, hey, go watch my sheep. He, his interests are still his own interests, right? I'm just trying to keep myself alive. Lion comes, a bear comes, a wolf comes. I, I'm going to run because I want to stay alive. If somebody else can worry about these sheep. I'm gone. That, that's what a hired hand does. But the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He flees. The hired hand flees because he is a hired hand and cares. Look at that phrase. Cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. The Gentiles, right? All all of us. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock and one shepherd. See, that's the thing. All the other shepherds, they, they care about their own interests. And so does the good shepherd. The, the good shepherd cares about his own interests. The, the difference is his interests are the sheep, right? Everybody's looking out for their own interests. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd because my interests are the sheep. They're these people. They're, they're the tax collectors and the prostitutes. They're, they're the women of the streets. They're the poor, they're the broken, they're the hurting, they're the lost, they're those that have wandered away, and I'm bringing them back to myself. It's the blind man that's been laying on the street since the day he was born, and you haven't been taking care of him, shepherds of Israel. But I love them, because they're my sheep. And I'm going to lay down my life so that they can have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus is the only one who lays down his life so that we can live. So we have to stop and ask ourselves, is is he shepherding our family? Who is shepherding our family? Is it the politicians? Is it the celebrities? Is it pop culture and companies and businesses and brands? Who is really influencing and guiding and shepherding our family? So here's our moment of truth question. Moment of truth. Is Jesus your family's shepherd and and how would we how would we know that right and 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 again if we're honest our our answer to this question every week to these types of questions is not entirely right there's all kinds of competing voices we live in a world with social media and 24-hour news cycle and radio that can be turned on and podcasts and books we live in information overload don't we There are a million competing voices. But here's the amazing thing about shepherds. And you've probably heard these stories before, but I've heard all kinds of stories of people who've gone over to places like Israel today. 
And they've seen multiple flocks like mixed together. You've heard stories like this. Multiple flocks mixed together. There's, there's two or three different shepherds and all their sheep are kind of intermingled. And one shepherd will call to his sheep and his sheep will come out from among the others. Right? There's all kinds of competing voices. But if we're followers of Jesus, we know his voice. And we listen to him and we let him guide us and him shape us, and him influence us, and him mold us. And so what does that look like in a family? Well, it means that we're really super intentional about it, doesn't it? That we sit down as a family, whether it's just you and a spouse, maybe it's just you. Maybe it's you and grandkids. Maybe it's you and nephews and nieces. Maybe it's you and your children. And you sit down and you listen to Jesus. You read the scriptures. You talk about as a family, what does it mean for the faithfulness and the self-giving love of Jesus to be our guiding light? What does it mean for Jesus offering his body and his blood to nourish us? What does that look like in our life? What does it look like for Jesus to be our shepherd? You talk about the other influences that are so hard to sort of drown out and ignore. You, you watch a movie together as a family, and then you sort of process it, and you say, you know, where, where was that movie trying to, to lead us? Well, what sort of decisions was that sort of trying to influence us to make? Do you think that's in keeping with the sort of things that Jesus wants us to do? Do you think this was a good influence or a bad influence? What do you think about this? You see a commercial on TV. What is that commercial? What did they... What are they trying to influence us to do? What, what if we did that as families? What if this afternoon at lunch you sit down and you sort of talk about all the voices that your family hears and how the one voice of Jesus can rise above all of the others? That's why, that's why this time together on Sunday mornings as we break bread and drink the cup and sing these songs and say these prayers and listen to the words of Jesus are so important, but it can't stop there. It has to be a conversation that your family is having or that you're having with your neighbors or that you're having with your friends, that we have this conversation with as many as possible because Jesus is recreating humanity after himself. He's making you brand new. He's making your family brand new. And the only way to become a new kind of family is to, one, admit that you're a sheep, right? Some of us have a hard time even admitting we're sheep, right? I don't follow anybody. I just do what I know is right. You're a sheep, right? Somebody's influencing you. Somebody's shepherding you. Admit that you're a sheep and sort of process and think about who's shepherding you. And is it Jesus? And to what degree is Jesus shepherding you? And to what degree are those in the world that have their own interests in mind? To what degree are they shepherding you? Have that conversation with yourself. Have that conversation with your spouse or with your kids or your grandkids or your nieces or nephews or your cousins or whatever role you play in the family. Have that conversation with as many people as possible because Jesus wants to make all things brand new by recentering everything around him. That's the commitment we're making when we're baptized, isn't it? I am a sheep and the Lord is my shepherd. I want you to shepherd me. I can't shepherd myself. I, I'm prey for the lions and the wolves. I, I'm prey for all of the predators. Without you, Lord, I'm dead. 
I need you to shepherd me and to heal me and to feed me, to guide me, to lead me, to direct me. You've laid down your life for me, so now I want to follow you because you are the good shepherd. That's what we're committing to when we're baptized. But as does happen in a flock, it happens with us. Sometimes we wander and sometimes we need to come back home. And maybe some of us have wandered away from home and wandered away from the shepherd. And even though we're here and we're sitting here, our hearts and our lives are a long way away. And sometimes it feels like it's impossible to come back. It's not. It never is. He loves you. He gave himself for you. If you'll just make a step in his direction, he'll run to meet you and to bring you home. He wants you to be part of his flock. No matter where you've been or what you've done, no matter what you've said, he wants you to be part of his flock. And so do we. We're all pretty messed up sheep. The only thing we've got going for us is that we've got a good shepherd who loves us. So let's help each other to follow Jesus. If we can pray with you, the shepherds, our shepherds, who are shepherds of the good shepherd, We'd love to pray with you and help you or right now come forward as together we stand and sing.